about time for a view from mainland China then. We've got Andrew Colley, Managing Director at Orient Capital Research, joining in. Andrew, good morning. Good morning to you. All right. I want to start start off with the the big announcement that we've had come in overnight about uh, China suspending uh, short-selling activities in the equity markets in a bid to stem the route that we've had in the uh, in you know in the Chinese in uh, equity markets. Uh, Do you think this is going to do enough to stem the route that we've seen so far? No, I mean, it's it's more or less irrelevant. Uh, basically, the Chinese stock market is down because the Chinese economy is down. So blaming short sellers for the problems in the Chinese economy is, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. So I think it's, it's a wrongheaded move. They should address the fundamental issues in the Chinese economy. Right. There seem to be a lot of monetary measures and these sort of policy measures that are being announced. Uh, we also have the reserve uh, ratio that will be cut from the 5th of February. That's going to inject billions of dollars into uh, the financial system. Again, do you think that uh, we would see some benefits coming through and, uh, you know, trickling down at uh, the fundamental economic level from this uh, rate cut? Well, when you have more monetary stimulus, obviously it's going to be somewhat beneficial to the economy. But in China's case, the answer is basically not much. It's like pushing on a string. There's a lot of people out there who are very nervous about investing in the property market, a lot of industrial firms that don't want to borrow more money because they're concerned about the growth and the sales of their their products. Uh, So the loan data is indicating that that there will be not much take up of the uh, extra monetary stimulus coming out. So uh, I understand their concerns, but uh, it's it's not going to do that much to change the underlying calculus of the economy, mainly focused on the decline of the property market. Yeah, I mean, and we also know that anytime you have monetary stimulus, there's also the risk that comes with it of uh, possible asset bubbles, inflationary pressures building up in the economy. You mentioned the property market and uh, the property markets had a rather tough ride. In fact, uh, you know, one of the biggest property giants in America, China, uh, in in China, China Evergrande is uh, up for a liquidation hearing in Hong Kong today. Uh, is this are these monetary measures likely to weaken the position that the property markets are already in? Well, the monetary measures are obviously the more cash in the market, the better for everyone. But it's not going to it's gonna, not going to change the fact that developers uh, are heavily indebted and mortgage holders and homeowners don't want to buy any more property because they know that it's probably going to go down in the future. So, you know, you have to address the fundamental issues, and they are. They are deleveraging. They're, they're reducing debt. They, they, three years ago, the central government in Beijing cracked down on the developers, and they're, so they're going through a massive structural shift, which is a good thing. Unfortunately, the pain means that the stock market's going to get hurt, that the economy is going to slow, if not go into negative growth at some point, which is possible. And the transition from a property bubble-fueled growth for the last 15, 20 years to a new type of growth is going to be very painful for everybody concerned. Right. And talking about some of those fundamentals that are, you know, are not headed in the right direction, we've seen a declining birth rate. The population is aging. um, And along with that, we have the proportion of working age population also declining. The savings rates in China is also getting hit. So a lot of these issues at the fundamental level are creeping in in a time when there's overall rather uh, risky situation that not just China, but the world seems to be in. 
Yes. I mean, there's some longer uh, structural issues apart from the debt fuel bubble that are affecting China, and you, you've indicated those. Those are not good for China. They're not good for the United States, for that matter, for, or some number of countries across the globe, as you indicated. Uh, I'm focusing more on the economic structural issues having to do with the, the way that capital is allocated and where you're investing your money in the system. And I do think that local governments are going to be forced to come up with new ways of generating growth, hopefully through the private sector, because they can't sell land and, and make a killing out of the property market the way they have. So they have to come up with a new way to, to drive growth and get tax income. And that's where I'm focusing my efforts on the local level. Right. And talking about the year ahead, uh, you know, 5% uh, or more is the sort of GDP target that we've seen from uh, most of the provinces in China that have uh, come out with uh, the expectations for the new year. How, how attainable is that uh, if things continue going in the direction that they are in? Well, some provinces have already come out and said flatly that they're not going to meet that 5% target, mm. which I thought was interesting. And second of all, there's increasing skepticism among Western economists about the accuracy of the GDP data. Uh, I mean, for one thing, if you throw up a lot of buildings that nobody buys or nobody lives in, just because you sold concrete to put up those buildings, it doesn't mean it's good for economic growth because there's no benefit to those buildings. So I'm, I'm skeptical about that. The real issue is, can you change the use of money? Can you change capital allocation in such a way that you know, the tech sector, maybe the gig economy revives. Perhaps, you you know, the EV sector has been a positive sign in China. Um, can you come up with um, the pharmaceutical industry has been, been doing fairly well. You know, can you come up with new growth drivers to replace the property, which was up to 30 or 40 percent of the economy? That's the trick question. Right. I want to talk about geopolitics as well, because that has far reaching, uh, you know, influence on how things play out. And just one example, um, we've had tensions in the Middle East. And the most recent was that we saw U.S., uh, you know, approaching China, asking them to help deter the Iran-backed Houthis in a back-channel meeting. This is indicating a shift in the balance of power and what we could see play out over the next few months. That's fascinating. I, I, it's a good question you're asking. I, I mean, first of all, I think that China's wolf warrior diplomacy may become lessened over the future because China needs the U.S. dollar system and they need trade. They need to sell EV autos to Europe. They can't make a lot of these these large uh, Western countries angry. So they're, they're toning it down. And the meeting between Blinken and Wang Yi recently was a very positive sign. However, in the Mideast, China is heavily reliant on oil from Saudi Arabia and other areas. And they're not too inclined to jump in and support the U.S. and Israel in, in that uh, situation. So if they do backtrack and be and, and try to play nice with the United States, I will be very surprised, but it would be a very uh, interesting move. Interesting it is and very interesting times that we're living in. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us this morning.